to MILF Talk, Make Your Life Fabulous. I'm Sophie Venable, psychologist, life coach, mother of two, and author of MILF 101, Make Your Life Fabulous. Whether you're married with children, single, divorced, or all of the above, I'm talking to you about life, relationships, and of course, whenever possible, sex. I like sex. See, the, I'm the joined most. by That's the That's the thing I like the most to talk talented about. Talented and <laughs> apparently sexual, Todd Anderson, <laughs> actor, sexual. husband, father extraordinaire, always good for the male perspective. Thank you for being here. Todd, uh, thanks for having always me. happy when you're back. Bar, bar applause, please. Yay. Okay. Yay. So... Yes, one of our favorite things to talk about in regard to marriage is sex, right? Well, that's, right? yeah. Okay, because sex is one of the most common areas of conflict in relationships. It is? Yes. Jeez. Uh, second only to money, I think, actually. Mm. Um, and it would be wonderful to get more people on the same page and under the same sheets. Yeah, I area. agree. Yes, so because a happy sex life either reflects or creates a happy marriage. We're not sure which one came first. Mm. Yes, it's probably Chicken both. Or the egg is it thing. cause or effect or is it both? Mm. So my guest today, very lovely couple. Very handsome couple, by the way, you guys. <laughs> he is the executive director of Alternatives Behavioral Health and a lecturer at UCLA, as well as Cal State Long Beach. He's been here before to educate us about ADD and such, and wanted to come back with his beautiful and intelligent wife to discuss marriage and sex issues. Way beyond what you think. So uh, they've been working <laughs> together to help others create and maintain healthy, happy, connected marriages. She is CEO and creator of Philosophy. Superfood Nutrition and Personalized Detox Cleanses. Please welcome Sophie Jaffe and Dr. Adi Jaffe. Yay. Yay. Now everybody take shots. No, kidding. Oh, we have right. shots? I just No, it's just the bar applause. Oh. So. I could go for a shot. So Dr. Adi, can I call uh, you Adi? You can call me Adi. All right. <laughs> we have talked about ADD and we have also talked about, we did a, an episode about porn addiction. We talked about and, porn, let's be real. Yeah, let's just talk about it. We talked about teens and whether we should be concerned about porn and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we got on the topic of sex edition. I really edition. have a hard time. We're going to get you to say it by the end of the show. <laughs> the teeth, the lips, the tip of the tongue. I need to do my theater exercises. Yes, she sex addiction. I need to do your warm-ups. There we go. Yeah. So you wanted to come back and talk about sex addiction. And Sophie, you're here bravely opening up very recently about this issue. And so we kind of want to hear your story. And I guess my first question would be, how do we recognize it as an addiction? Or is somebody just not good at being in relationship? They're sure. just not into monogamy? Like, how do we Sure, I think, I think that's a great question. I think it's a question a lot of people ask, whether it happens to sort of lay everyday people or to celebrities, right? This thing comes up a lot. Is it, are they just cheating because they're not good about, you know, being monogamous? Or is it something deeper? For me... Sophie and I were in a relationship I ended up cheating on her just to get right to the point. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up cheating on her and she broke up with me on the spot. And then I spent about a year, almost a year getting her back. And once I had gotten her back, it's, you know, I think it's sort of a given for anybody who's listening who's been in a relationship for multiple years. I'm 38 now, I was 33, 34 at the time. You sort of, by that point, you're kind of looking for a serious way to settle down. And so it was pretty obvious when I was working so hard to get her back that it was forever. Got her back and we had started dating. She was really clear about the fact that we should be in couples counseling or something along those lines to figure out what had happened the first time. But then I kept slipping. Because in your experience, you were happy in the relationship but chose to cheat anyway. Is yeah. this correct? Or Yeah, I would say, yeah. um, so again, as kind of as my story unfolded, it became clear that it was even more complex than that. But actually, mm -hmm. I hadn't really cheated on a serious girlfriend ever before. So oh. it was kind of weird to me that that had come up specifically in this relationship. Mm. So I'm in this relationship. I feel like everything is supposed to be going well end up cheating, 
kind of reformat how I think about my dedication to this woman and get her back. And I work pretty hard to get her back. Uh, and so, and then I keep slipping inappropriately texting ex-sexual partners. Um, I think that was one of the main things was sort of online surfing, things like that. That was mm-hmm. just not physically cheating anymore. But definitely, here the cops are coming to arrest me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I should have never done this. <laughs> you should. You should. Um, and so, and Sophie kept catching me and doing this. And it was like, well, what, what the hell are you doing? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you wanted to be in this relationship. You're not in the relationship. We were in couples counseling. And, you know, actually, I'll never forget the time that we were on the way. She was converting to Judaism, actually. We were sitting outside the class and she had found one of those texts. And she was kind of done with it. She was kind of saying, look. You literally keep doing this and we keep talking about it. We keep taking it to therapy and it's not doing anything. And something clicked in my head in that moment. And the re- I think the only reason it clicked in my head was because I'd been to drug treatment in the past. And and I would got caught in this pattern where I would wake up in the morning saying, you know, I don't need meth today. That was my mm-hmm. choice. I don't need the drug. I'm, you know, I feel totally fine. I'm going to go on. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm using again. And I didn't really see where the connection lay in. And then I'd made the entire rest of my life about finding out why I got to that spot. And here I was in the exact same situation with my soon-to-be wife. And I would catch myself doing this. It would really hurt her. It would get me in this really weird spot where I felt uncomfortable. You're ashamed. And You're, then yeah, and it's then just a shame cycle. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I do it again. Yeah. Right? So then I go and a month later, two weeks later, whatever, we get in a fight and I do it again. And so I didn't even know what I was talking about. But I said, you know, this feels familiar. I'm going to look up some sex addiction stuff. I ended up. Um, going to some self-help meetings. We actually ended up committing to uh, to treatment. And so I started going much more intensely. Hmm. And then the shit really hit the fan, to be perfectly honest, because about eight months into this more severe kind of, okay, let's figure this out. I got a call. I was getting my PhD at UCLA at the time, and I got a call. I'll never forget where I was standing when I got that phone call. Uh, I pick up the phone. It's Sophie. And she says, uh, I found the email account. And I felt like there was a bowling ball in my stomach that was just mm. bouncing around. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I, my heart was beating really fast. Um, she had found an email address that I'd used for all these online accounts, for essentially for online sex, like uh, video chat sex. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about shame, have your wife find that. <laughs> when you, when wow. you hadn't even, to be perfectly honest, I hadn't even come to terms with the fact that this has been something that's been going on in my life for probably three to four years, five mm-hmm. years beforehand. Before we had even started dating. So I... This was your dirty, dirty little secret. This was... Yeah. This was the dirtiest, this was, lowest this level. Was now the thing she... That I was, it sounds like it was almost a secret that you kept from yourself because you were surprised. You were like, oh, yeah. Saying... <laughs> like, this really Whoops. is real. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. I no, ha- yeah. Yeah. And saying that out loud sounds so bizarre, right? Because what do you mean you, you were doing something you weren't aware of? But I can literally say, and Sophie and I have now talked about this, so I'm not afraid of... Uh, being in a doghouse after I say this out loud here, it would happen when she would she would be in the house, she would go somewhere and then come back. And in the middle, I would go online and Like surf. in the shower, by the way. Yeah. I would, like yeah, five you, minutes. You were five minutes in the shower, you'd grab it, a little time. It was like drug seeking, right? It was like, yeah. I need a hit right now and not with the woman that I'm with right here. And it, right. And it, that just, it felt off. Well, I can I can relate in that it's one thing to have a public issue with food or dieting or weight or this or that. But when somebody finds out you're bulimic and you're throwing up five times a day, that's a whole different thing. That's like mm-hmm. a really, really dark, dark part of you that's like, oh, well, yeah, you, I can't the, imagine having to hide it from a spouse. And the irony for me, and I, I love that comparison because a lot of people who are bulimic will tell you that 
they compartmentalize it so much that they just think of it. I'm just going to the bathroom. And then. Yeah. Eventually it becomes, I mean, I, I basically recovered when I was about 18, 17, 18. So I didn't have to live in relationship with somebody else other than my mother, you know, when I was younger and have to hide that. But wow. But the irony was that I'd kind of gotten my whole thing about my drug addiction was not being ashamed of it. Right. And being out there and my, my arrest record and all that sort of stuff. And here I am once again, finding myself confronting this thing that had really been going on since my drug using days all the way to this and was kind of this line that had come across all of them into my relationships. And until that moment, and I, you know, you know, when you have those emotional moments, you just can't, you can never forget those. You can never sure. unexperience un- yeah. um, that moment. That's what it felt like right there. Uh, and I knew in that moment I, I had two options. I could either just completely disconnect from this woman who now knew exactly who I was, or I could figure out if there's a way to fix it. That's a big decision. So <laughs> it has so, a lot to do with your willingness. So do hmm. you think that the sex addiction was sort of a replacement for your drug addiction? I don't even think it was a replacement because it was probably there at the same time as I was, you know, meth is a very sexualized drug. Um, so it was probably there at the same I've time. I've not done it. Okay. Well, should, I, should I should I just try you, it once? You want a little or, bit right yeah, now? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we handing out samples? Yeah. <laughs> um, all I'm thinking it, is it will make me not hungry, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. See? <laughs> see, we've all got our shit, have people. energy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I need to clean my house. <laughs> so, yeah, give yes. me some math. That'd be great. Good. Perfect. Uh, so, so, so here you have, you have this sort of breaking open this kind of soul-bearing, naked, shame-open moment (laughs) with your partner, and now you're in a position, do I want to walk through this with him, or do I just want to bail? Right. How the... Yeah. Wow. And you just... Tell us a little bit, because you'd mentioned to me briefly, you just kind of opened up about all of this, so... Right. Tell us your side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'll give my background, and then I'll respond to your question. Okay. Um, so yeah, we had everything he said so far is pretty much the same. He cheated on me while I was, I had actually, I was traveling at the time. I was Mm -hmm. in Guatemala volunteering for a month or two and he started sort of dating this woman and was cheating on me and I came back from my travels and he he came to me and he told me the truth. How long had you been together? About a year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. In college, he was getting his PhD from UCLA and I was an undergrad. Okay. So I graduated undergrad I was traveling exploring and trying to figure out who I was and I think that was part of that instability made him feel unstable Mm -hmm. he knew deeply who he was and what he was doing and I had no idea so there was that and I traveled I came back we broke up and then about a year later he came back to me and I was traveling in Thailand and he wrote me a letter and just poured his heart out and said this is so cheesy, but I saw this quote today and coffee bean on a mug and it said, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? And he said, I would fight to get you back with everything I have. And I've been working so hard for the past year. I've been going to yoga every day. I've been soul searching. I've been going to my own therapist. I I really, really can't believe I did that to you and I, it will never happen again. And under the condition that we saw a therapist and we were both really in it, we got back together. And then we got engaged shortly shortly after, and the first layer came out about the inappropriate texts. And then he started going to SAA meetings and starting mm-hmm. to discover what sex addiction was and together. But at that point, it was still his problem. It was not our problem. It right. was, okay, you were go still, deal with it. You were still emotionally safe as far as you knew, like sure. kind of 
and in a way. He was the addict. He yeah. was the ex-drug addict and he's now the sex mm. addict. This is his problem. Okay, mm. go get fixed and then come back and we'll get married. Okay, gotcha. I yeah. wasn't a part of the process. Right. I was very disconnected from it. I, I didn't really want to read about it. I didn't want to know. I didn't know where mm. to go. He seemed to have it under control. He's done this before. He's been down this road. Okay, he sees it. He can label it. Great. Go, so you were go in heal. it as long as he had it handled. As long as he had it handled. Yeah, that was but the it condition. was his problem. But it, it was, was his, his problem. More than you Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So then we got married. And at this point, we were completely sober in terms of not having sex. He wasn't allowed to masturbate. We weren't. We didn't have sex on our wedding night. We, yeah. Wow. Like, and I mean, that also shows how really on top of it, and dedicated we were to the healing. We really, you wow, know, I didn't know that that was so part, part of the, the healing. Part of the healing is no sex. Sure. Yeah. Even, I mean, it's a, even with your committed partner. It depends on, on what level you're at. We had to wipe the slate clean. Wow. We had to completely start bare bones at the beginning. Wow. And I never want to have to. Heal I don't like ever, 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 ever want yeah. to have to do that. Yeah. I'm having sex on my way. <laughs> yeah. We'll have a do over. Right. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. So that was rough, and then I. Shortly after, we got pregnant after being married, and I was three months pregnant, and that's when I found out the last kind of layer of the mm. secret oh my email. God. I was three months pregnant carrying his child. We were married. It was just oh like, so fresh. We just got married. We've just done all this stuff, and then I'm pregnant, and he's... We had just seen the sonogram. Look at him. He's yeah. just like, I know. Uh, I know. I know. I was an asshole. <laughs> in, case I, in case I didn't make that clear earlier. It's uh, horrifying. It's terrifying. And it was, I was so isolated and yeah. scared. I had nowhere to go. People were not talking about this on podcasts. People no. were not writing about it. It was I, – I mean, I searched. At that point, I was like, I am fucked. Yeah. And so I started researching abortions. I, I mean, it was – Heavy. I yeah. took my ring off. I, yeah. you know, and I don't think I would have really done it even if I could have. But it was just like I had to let him know that mm -hmm. I was going to leave and that I could escape. Right. And that I had a way out. And it was my way of saying, okay, there are options in this. Because at that point, I felt like I had no options. Like now I'm married with his child. Right. I, have, I am You trapped. needed to do that to give yourself yeah. options. So, so I just felt get, got your power back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then yeah. I, I found my power. And kept my ring off. And yeah, and we started seeing ther a therapist. He started, he went into outpatient treatment only because he was getting his PhD, so we couldn't do end treatments. We could continue. Also, because what was it like for you? <laughs> right. What was, it, what was it like for you to have that part of you bared and to have her still love you enough to stick around? When she made it clear she had the option to leave. I mean, that's, you know, so, that's a lot of love to receive, really. Yeah, many. well, fortunately, I was I was already in, in a framework where I had people to turn to. Because, to be honest, I think that's one of those moments where disconnecting and in whatever form that looks like. Sure. Literally, maybe running to another country and not talking yeah. to anybody for a couple of years. Seems like a good option. Sound, sounded really good. Because, yeah. you know, I don't know if anybody listening knows this, but... We hold secrets, and some secrets are so dear to us that we literally don't acknowledge that they're part of the equation. Things that happen to us as children sure. are, you know, little weird things that we do on a daily basis that maybe we we have, just haven't thought about. And this was me being called out on one of those in the strictest way. Um, and so I remember, I mean, I turned to one of my friends who's still a friend of mine now who's kind of been part of my support story, and I said, look, what do I do? I just, I literally didn't know. 
I mean, I think Sophie went to spend a couple of days at her parents' house. Uh, we were living in the same apartment, obviously, at the same time. So um, I had no idea what to do. I, I was completely lost. And there's now being on the other side of it, there's actually something great about being in that situation. Right? It's one of the few moments where you let go of what you think needs to be done yeah. and you start listening a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Now I'll you're you, dealing in reality. Now, you, now you're dealing with reality. What was that like? Did it feel... I, this might sound like a dumb question, but it did it feel personal to you? Like in the sense that here he's he's video chatting, right? But you can, I don't know if you were able to even click click it this way in your brain. These are just sort of girls on the other end of a video. Um, and I know that a lot of women feel that if their men are looking at porn, that it's cheating on some level. But what was the worst part of that for you? It was it was violating. It was betrayal. It felt I felt like I was being betrayed. I was lied to. I felt disgusting. I, you know, our sex life wasn't that strong at that point because we were trying to rebuild it. But yet he's expending all this energy with complete random strangers. That, yeah. yeah. So it okay. felt it felt yeah. that I could see where that would be the yeah the hardest thing to reconcile. Mm-hmm. And I had I had Turn only that had energy towards three me. partners, including him, in my life at that point. Like okay. and still, but <laughs> it's you know that. It was very personal to me. Sure. To share that type of experience with complete and utter strangers mm-hmm. while your wife is pregnant with your child, like, it made no sense to me. Sure. It, it felt awful. And I, it, it's really not that different to me that he – it's the intention behind it. Sure. I think just watching p- porn to get off is, like, one thing. He, that's not what he was doing. He was avoiding? He was avoiding. He was – he was compartmentalizing. He was he was seeking pleasure um, in a manipulative way, and and when I look at back at the letters that he not now but when I was kind of digging and digging and searching and researching and trying to really see who this person was, it it wasn't as simple because he didn't even he had opportunities to meet these women from the sites mm. and he didn't, so he was a pussy. And he didn't do those things, but he really, he really wanted to. Uh And, you know, he had plans to go meet them in his, this other self. Yeah. But the true Adi wasn't going to do that. And so that's even worse. He's like, why are you even doing this? You're not even, it just felt all wrong. And it just felt so, so violating and. And so just, yeah. you were avoiding real connection through this yeah, I mean, addiction. You know, it's, it's, that, uh, it's that's funny. what it sounds like. It's funny because it's really just even hearing somebody else say it, it's so much like problematic drug use, right? It's not Totally. It sounds so it much like party. everything. Yeah, you're you not. don't use it to party. You use it when things are uncomfortable to avoid the discomfort. Mm-hmm. And that's how you know that you have a problem. I mean, right. if I would have logged on because it's like, well, I want to make tonight a sex night, then that's one thing. <laughs> but every single time that it happened – it's almost a way to avoid the other discomfort because, you know, I know I know the neuroscience behind it, but it's sort of these firings of dopaminergic um, neurons in specific areas of your brain that it says everything is okay. And everything's not okay, but you get to fool yourself into thinking that for long enough where you get to the next 30 minutes of life or the next hour or the next day. Um, and the problem is that if it becomes the thing, and imagine, you know, so I had sex was the last one remaining, right? I'd sort of, I'd gotten rid of the drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was back to drinking moderately at the time already. But um, but there was no other drug use kind of going on. So I had, you know, for somebody who didn't really know how to deal with intimacy issues and, and emotions, 
I didn't have that much else to rely on. So these kind of sexual acting out became my only way. This sort of fantasy life became my way of escaping discomfort in the world. And it didn't really matter who was in front of me. I think the difference is, and I think this is an important piece to get to in this um, in this talk, is I finally had a partner who was actually willing to call me on my shit, but stand by me while I did the and work. And still love you. Right. Yeah. So, so that's a difference. And that's, mm -hmm. by the way, what worked with my drugs. My dad was there to say, okay, well, you fucked up again. How are you going to fix it this time? And then you get to having a partner who says, well, look, this is screwed up. Um, you got to do something about this or I'm gone. But if you do something about it, I'll stand here. That's what I want to wrap this up with. I think we've sort of learned how to recognize the difference, I think, and, and learn to recognize what's going on. But wh what I would want maybe each of you to tell us is, what do you think is, let's say, because you've got somebody who's written to you recently, right, who just reached out to you. How do you tell that person to decide uh, what is the deciding factor as to do I run mm -hmm. or do I work on this? What do you think she needs to look for in that partner who is going through this to sort of uh, decide, is this an addiction that I'm willing to to work through or is this guy just not marriage material? Right. From my experience, now looking back, I think the ability to, for the partner, man or woman, mm -hmm. <clears throat> to put it all out there and drop the ego as much as possible and the defenses. And, I mean, I had Adi give me his full disclosure of every single partner he's ever had in his lifetime since he was 15 years old because I needed that. That's not what this person might need. Someone right. else might not need that, but I needed him to drop everything because there were so many secrets that he wasn't even aware of. So once he dropped all of that, then he could really face me as his naked self. He was mm -hmm. so raw, he was so vulnerable, and I was too. And it wasn't fun information to receive, but at least I at least finally we were on the same page. So that's just one example. Each person is different in the way that they can drop their ego and drop their game and drop their stuff where they're just kind of putting themselves on a pedestal where they don't need to come to your level and and disclose everything and be fully mm -hmm. honest and really show up. Right. And you can see the difference and you can smell it. And I think, first of all, getting a really good psychologist or someone who's a specialist in this is is the number one. And that's probably Imperative. the only reason yeah. that we're here is because we had really great help mm -hmm. from professionals who could spot it and would call him on his shit and would say, you're not really being present right now. You're not really showing up right now in this relationship or whatever it was and give us real practical advice and practices to bring into our lifestyle that could help us work on our intimacy and our truth-seeking and, and connectiveness. And I think if the partner – it's pretty clear from the beginning if the partner is willing to really give it their all or not. And if both partners aren't willing to give it, it's not just about the partner. Mm -hmm. It's both partners. Mm -hmm. if, if I wasn't willing to do the work, it wouldn't have happened. Which you have a right to of not course. be willing to do. Absolutely. Right? Now, some people 100%. would say, no, once you're married, you always have to be. No. <laughs> and some people say, you know? once you have kids, same thing. No, yeah. I don't agree. You know, the person that called me earlier has two little girls. She mm -hmm. just found out a week ago the same kind of stuff. And she's so angry and feels so alone. Mm -hmm. And I said, "There's no, you take care of you. Mm -hmm. You find your power. Right. You can walk away at any time. 
And you have to know that. Yeah. You have to know that. that and I said, an oh, there's no promises. I'm not know? saying it's the best option. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah, you have to you, know. The next person you're with is going to have his own problems mm-hmm. and you're going to have your own issues together in your dynamic. But just know that you're going to have to work on something concerning you. There's a reason you attracted this in your life. There's a reason I attracted that in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And I want to, and I want to talk about that yeah. some more. You guys will stick around okay. for another episode. Perfect. Right. Okay. So, and we can talk about the actual process of working through it. So can I ask yes. one question? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> just yeah. because I get this question a lot and we may have said it enough during, but okay. really just point blank. Yeah. I want to know if someone walks in to your office of how do you know clinically, psychologically, the difference between someone who's just a cheater and someone who's actually got clinical sex addiction? You know, it's a great question. I don't think that you know the first time they sit in your office. I think you have to find out a lot more about what role this behavior, just like with drugs or food, what role has this played in their life long term, not just what has brought them in right now. Um, Because it's that piece that we hit on before. If they're using this thing for coping, odds are they have a problem with it. You know that I I don't really like these labels of addict or non-addict because they oversimplify the equation. But I, I would say that probably have to really look deeply into what role has this played in their life over decades to get to that. What's the, what is the difference then between a sex addict and a cheater? Because it, it seems and like I've, a cheater could very easily go, I'm super sorry. I'm just a sex addict. Right. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen it both ways. Like it's a cop out to say you're a sex addict because then really you're just a cheater and you can't keep your dick in your pants. But then I've seen it the other way where it's what you just said. It's the exact same – it's – I get both. And I really want to be clear about that because I yeah, get questions. What, Why like, would you wh- stay with him? Right, but what is the difference? Right. I guess is I would almost I would almost suggest uh, that there isn't addict. a different if there if if the cheating is part of a shame cycle, if this is this is part of this person's like continual like self abuse cycle, then there is not much of a difference. Look, I know really. I know guys yeah. who but are some, sex addicts and have never been physically intimate with anybody outside of the relationship, but masturbate with porn for eight hours a day until True. they hurt themselves. So eight hours a day is too much? I just, <laughs> you know, I'm asking for a friend. Todd needs limits. Todd needs rules, limits, we'll, boundaries. We'll schedule this. We we'll schedule this. <laughs> okay. It's porn time. Porn time. Um, so I think, I think what Sophie is saying, not my wife, Sophie. Um, it's so confusing. There's I know. Too it's going to be confusing here. So I think, I think what Sophie is saying a little bit is that Cheating can be part of the equation. It doesn't have to be. The question is consequences, right? So if you if this interferes with your relationship and you don't go do something about it, you don't adjust, it suggests that there's a problematic ability to control your behavior. And if what is addiction as we kind of define it, by the way, DSM-5 doesn't have hypersexual dysfunction or anything like that as a disorder yet recognized. So it's not a a, a recognized clinical disorder per se, but... That being said, if there are repeated consequences and you're unable to adjust your behavior, it suggests that something is wrong. Now, it could be as simple as you're staying in a relationship that you don't really want to be in and you don't have the balls to leave. Right. Or it could be that you are having problems controlling yourself in some manner. This, I think part of it is an internal process and you have to figure that out. We don't often know if when a, you know, when a college kid comes to me and they're drinking too much and they're not coming to class and they're doing too much blow on the weekend. I don't know if they're an addict or they're just an idiot right now. 
Um, I see. It, it so like a cheater time. could just be an idiot yeah. is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, sure. You could just be his... not ready to have the responsibility yeah. of a monogamous relationship. Or they made yeah. a mistake. Or they, yeah. I was really yeah. drunk. But yeah. there's difference between the patterns, it sounds I like. I see. I, I was see. drunk when I made out with that girl in the right. bar. <laughs> Girls aren't cheating, are it's they? It's a great excuse. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a when whole you're... other podcast. <laughs> you guys need to stick around for that one. <laughs> All right. Tell us uh, briefly, because we're going to we're gonna continue this in the next one, but uh, tell us briefly where to find you okay sure. so um you can if you just google my name a d jaffe well you'll find me all He's over the all place, over the place especially on the porn sites just kidding <laughs> not under that not name anymore. not under that name addiction alternatives.com is a website for the um treatment center i run and then you can find me on psychology today and some other places okay and sophie where do we find your uh, the philosophy, the philosophy.com is my website. And then on all social media at philosophy mama. Okay. And Sophie philosophy is spelled with an I E as in Sophie, not a Y. So, exactly. okay. And you can uh, please like the MILF talk page if you would be so kind. And if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud right now, do me a big fat favor and click subscribe. Uh, you can also download your workbook on my website and uh, find my book on Amazon and Todd will be I'll be on Hawaii Five-0. That's right. When is that airing? April 24th. Fantastic. So check that out. Okay. Thank you both for being here and thank you all for listening. 